my friends always joke, a lot of them have been in long, long committed relationships. So they feel like they're almost living through me vicariously. <laughs> yeah. And they say like, wow, we're on like season five of <laughs> Bachelorette. Like, who's it going to be? Oh What's going to happen? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak, a podcast all about dating in a city where the only constant is traffic. So I have a new guest to introduce, and I met her at Universal back in 2017. And at the peak of our time together, we had one period where we went out five consecutive Fridays in a row. So safe to say we bonded both in and out of the office. Her name is Alina, and I will give it to her to introduce herself a little bit further. All right. Thanks, Leslie. So my name is Alina and I am 26 years old. I currently live in K-Town, so I'm right here in LA, very close by to Leslie. Mm -hmm. And as she mentioned, we did meet back at Universal. I still work there right now. I work in content strategy with the DreamWorks TV team and it's been great. It's awesome that we're no longer on the same team, but we've kept in touch. And yeah, I guess relationship status right now it's complicated (laughs) but we can talk about that later yeah we can dive into that a bit further so alina and i i think because we bonded not only through work but like on a personal level we had a lot of times when we talked about our shared experiences with dating and i feel like you know we have had a lot of similarities we've been able to commiserate over a lot of the same things many of which we will dive into today But I think one interesting thing was that we could both talk about the fact that we had been in back-to-back relationships. And we've talked about the fact that that's not necessarily the ideal scenario. I know for myself, I've never considered myself a serial monogamist by any means, so I never expected to be in that position. But I did find myself in that position where there was literally a period of only weeks between one long-term relationship and going into another. And I know you've had something kind of similar. So I guess I can kind of start by explaining my experience where I dated someone for two years and the person who I ended up dating next, I had had this like long, complicated relationship with before I even met that ex-boyfriend. And the timing just kind of happened to work out to where I started talking to him again. I'd actually stopped really hanging out with him while I was in my old relationship because understandably my ex wasn't really okay with it, knowing the history that we had. And I wasn't like, oh, I'm ready to be someone's girlfriend again. But... I was also like, we've had this long experience and this is a time to see if it'll work out. So I'm not going to throw it away. Let's just give it a shot. And so it just kind of happened. And so I would love to hear about how you found yourself in back-to-back relationships and what that experience is like. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't like to call myself a serial monogamist, but it just so happens that I've been in four relationships now and they've all been longer than a year. Mm-hmm. Actually, the first one was in high school. So I kind of count it, but I kind of don't. Mm-hmm. It was like a three, four year long relationship. We started kind of seeing each other back in middle school and it was very cute and innocent mm-hmm. the way high school relationships are. And then in college, same thing where, you know, I entered college thinking I just want to do my own thing, explore. And mm-hmm. I met 
my college boyfriend at the time the first week of school. So <laughs> obviously didn't really go as planned. Mm-hmm. And then senior year was when I met my second college boyfriend. And that one, same thing, wanted to live it up senior year and just ended up getting cuffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> most recently dated someone that was like the most serious relationship, I'd say. But they've all been very, very different, all really different personalities. Yeah. So it's been interesting because it's made me think, like, what type of person am I actually most compatible with? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, is the right type of partner? And I think I'm still figuring that out. But it's funny because my friends always joke, a lot of them have been in long, long committed relationships. So they feel like they're almost living through me vicariously. (laughs) Yeah. And they say, like, wow, we're on, like, season five of (laughs) Bachelorette. Like, who's it going to be? What's going to happen? (laughs) It's so funny because I do feel like there is that perception when someone is in a long term relationship, myself included. I've done this as well. When you see someone single, I feel like it's really easy to be like, how fun, how entertaining. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my best girlfriends, she was single while I'd been in these two back-to-back relationships and she would complain about going on all these dating app dates. And I would literally say, I don't understand like why you're complaining about this. I feel like it's so fun at the best case scenario, you have a great date. Worst case scenario, it's just a funny story. And then when you're going through it, you realize like you don't want your love life to be a series of funny stories, (laughs) you know, like that's entertaining for everyone else, but it gets a little bit tiring when it happens to you. So I guess, you know, kind of transitioning into that, what has been your experience with online dating and like, when did you get into it? Has it been overall positive? Would love to just dive in. Yeah. So I have a very complicated relationship with online dating. I've had the highest of highs where I've met great people and actually ended up in a relationship Mm -hmm. from a dating app. But I've also had just, you know, the way everyone has experienced lows, bad dates, uncomfortable moments, awkward encounters, all of that. But what it really started out with was actually a school project. Mm -hmm. So my junior year of college, I had just broken up with my first college boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And... I was just ready to kind of see what was out there, but that was back when Tinder wasn't super popular. Mm -hmm. It was pretty taboo. And I think I always had curiosity. So my school project was just to give a speech. It was a Mm -hmm. persuasive speech and you had to defend an unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. So my topic of choice was why Tinder should be treated as a legitimate way to meet people and not just a hookup app. Mm -hmm. But obviously I wouldn't have any value in what I was saying in my speech unless I tried it myself. Yeah. Uh So I downloaded the app, (laughs) put on some pictures, you know, (laughs) at the time, I I don't even remember what I put in my bio. It was probably something very basic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just started swiping and it was honestly pretty fun. Right. Yeah, it was kind of like a game. I could I could see the yes. appeal. It's super gamified, yeah. at least at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't on there to meet people. It was for the project. Mm-hmm. So my goal was to see if people would still be willing to be friends with me if there was no actual romantic dating involved. Yeah. So I think at some point in my bio, I wrote, like, just looking for friends. Mm-hmm. and wanted to see if people would still match with me. Yeah. And what ended up happening was I made a lot of really good friends from the app and some of them I even told about the project they wanted to give their input they wanted to share their stories yeah and that's sort of where it all started like that project was really fun and I remember one of the coolest dates I went on where after we had solidified like this is a platonic date Mm -hmm. I mentioned that I love 
dancing Mm -hmm. and the guy said oh i actually have tickets to dancing with the stars oh my gosh so if you want to join me and a couple of my friends like we can all go along so i shared that story in my speech and i said you know if it weren't for tinder i never would have gotten to go there and see it live and that's been you know a childhood dream so that's sort of where it all started and i think I brought that type of mentality mm-hmm. with online dating that not every single date you go on has to end up with the love of your life. It can yeah. just, it can, you really can just meet people and become friends with them. That's true. And I love that you have that outlook because I feel like it's really rare. I know that there are a lot of people who have an ex who they remain friends with. You know, because you do form a friendship with someone after you've dated them long term, as long as, you know, things didn't go south. Maybe you started out as friends. But I've never encountered anyone else who has so many platonic friends that they've met through the apps and didn't end up dating long term. So I think that's really admirable. And for me... I wish that I had that mentality. I feel like I, I don't want to say I'm like, oh, no new friends because I don't feel like I'm like that. I'm always open to new friends, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like, I feel like I have enough friends that I don't need to find them on the apps. Whereas you're that's so fair. open to that. And that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, didn't you say you have like a couple dozen friends who you still follow on social and yeah, interact we with? We still talk and we comment on each other's stories. I learned so many new things. Like you know, when you meet people and you see what is going on in their lives, whether they're hiking on a new trail or visiting a new place, Mm -hmm. I've been able to keep in contact with a good handful. And it's honestly come in handy sometimes. Actually, one guy that I met, I think it was Coffee Meets Bagel. Mm -hmm. He actually worked at DreamWorks TV. And he became my lunch buddy. And basically, you know how good the lunch is over there. So Mm -hmm. he kind of became my ticket to always just grab lunch. And we're great friends. And we've after we went on a couple of days and realized we weren't, you know, going to go anywhere, yeah. we just realized we were better off as friends. And he's given me input on my dating life. Mm-hmm. I've talked to him. And it's kind of cool, honestly. Have you ever had anyone who you've matched with then become platonic friends with and either you've set them up with someone else or vice versa? I haven't successfully set anyone up but a lot of the guys that i've matched with once we've become friends they always say hook me up with your friends because i mean i'm not gonna lie i have a lot of cute female friends Mm -hmm. and some of them they get a lot of attention and it'll be funny they'll just be like hey i'm interested in this girl (laughs) and no hard feelings it didn't work out with us yeah yeah So something kind of similar happened to me, but through a friend. So Mm -hmm. I was out with my friend and she had posted something to our story. We were both out. And I don't know that this guy reached out specifically because I was in the picture or anything, but I know that they remained friends after they went on a couple dates. And so he DM'd her and was like, oh, what are you up to today? He ended up meeting us and we went out. We stayed out for hours. Like I met up with this girl for brunch and we didn't have a plan for the day, but neither of us had any set plans. We ended up staying out until like midnight, 1am. And this guy stayed with us for like eight hours probably. And so towards the end of it, he asked me out and he also kissed me like while we were out in front of her. No, he waited until she was in the bathroom. And at that point I didn't really know the extent of their history. So I was very taken aback, but I also didn't know how problematic is this going to be? Will it be an issue? So after he asked me out, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't like even somebody who I was like, Oh, I'm so into this guy. It was just kind of like, Oh, he's interesting. He's nice. He's fun to be around. And so I told her about it. And honestly, I just determined it really wasn't worth it for me because I don't think it was the same situation with you and your people where it ended in the best way. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like maybe it would cause more issues if I were to go out with this person. And she also had a couple of 
negative things to say about uh, him where she didn't necessarily think he was the right partner and so it didn't work out but i just think that's such an interesting dynamic to be like oh i'm gonna go from like a date to matchmaker for you in a way yeah no totally it's also funny because the dating pool seems big in la but it's honestly not that big and no. especially I remember when I lived with one of my older roommates, we would both be swiping and then I'd show her someone and I'd say, oh, do you think this guy's cute? And then she'd say, oh no, I already went out with her. <laughs> or we noticed the same person give us the same opening lines. No. And that's actually the worst. That is so <laughs> annoying. Oh my God. Because it's like, you kind of want to pretend that, oh, this person is treating me like I'm yeah. special. Whereas you're like, oh, they're actually just doing the same thing with yeah. everybody <laughs> encounter. Exactly. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, well, aside from meeting platonic friends on the apps, what's been your romantic experience? Would you say it's been overall positive on the apps? Like, which apps are you using? Mm-hmm. Which preferences do you have? Yeah, so Tinder was the first app that I started out with. Mm-hmm. And I did, of course, meet a handful of friends. And then it was right before senior year of college that I met a guy mm-hmm. and we ended up dating that wasn't the best relationship. Let's put it at that. Mm-hmm. And I do think because we met on Tinder, it actually impacted our relationship in a mm-hmm. negative way. Oh. Just because we met in sort of like a casual mm-hmm. sort of setting. And for the longest time, even though we were spending every single day together, there was no like defining of what we were. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think from a very early part of the relationship, there was not a good amount of trust. Yeah, And I kind of feel like Tinder played a role in that. Interesting. Yeah. So when you wrote your paper, mm-hmm. you said that Tinder was a legitimate way to meet romantic connections. At the time, would, you, yeah. would you stand by that? Do you think it's changed? I don't think I would agree anymore. Just mm-hmm. because there are other apps out there that don't have the same connotation. And I think the apps have evolved. So I've been on, so the first one was Tinder. And then I tried Coffee Meets Bagel, Mm -hmm. which was good at first, but almost a little too serious. Have you Mm -hmm. tried it? That is one that I haven't tried. No. So I only got interested because I watched the episode on Shark Tank. And I think Mark Cuban actually offered them some money and they walked away. It was like three sisters and they were super smart. Oh. And they were like, you know what? We know our worth. We're not going to sell this. Good for them. Yeah. So I was intrigued. I thought, you know, maybe this is something a little bit better for me. Tinder might be too casual. Yeah. I don't think I'm the casual hookup type. Yeah. Contrary to what I said in my speech. (laughs) But yeah, so I tried Coffee Meets Bagel and then the UI honestly is just not great. It's kind of meh. And they tried for a a little bit of time to do videos. Oh, like video dating? Not video dating, but instead of a profile that's just your photos and your, you know, your information, you would have 50 seconds to just talk about yourself. And those were so awkward. Yeah. I can't imagine that most people are very adept at selling themselves well in that medium. Mm-hmm, exactly. But I think my favorite is Hinge. And I think mm-hmm. you said that's also That your is my top. favorite. Yeah. So I started out with Tinder as well. And I had a really brief stint with it before I dated my first serious boyfriend. And I honestly didn't feel like it was that bad. Granted, that was years ago. That was even longer ago than when you signed up for Tinder. It was 2012 or 2013 because it was the year after I graduated college. And 
I think that Hinge and Bumble weren't a thing. So it was kind of like, this is really the main option at the time. And I did meet someone. I ended up dating him exclusively for three months. So because of that, I feel like I didn't have the connotation that it was as hookup centric as other people might have. Cause mm-hmm. I had had this one experience that turned into something more serious. And then after those two back to back relationships, I went back on Tinder because I was a little afraid to get on the dating apps after not having been on them for like four plus years. And so Tinder felt like the one that was the lowest barrier to entry where it felt, I was like, I know it has this casual reputation, so it'll be easier to kind of join and not think too much about it. Low stakes. Very low stakes. And so it was interesting because in the beginning, I feel like you're inundated with messages whenever you join any app. Mm -hmm. I actually talked to one of my friends about this and he has done so much research on the apps and has talked about how it's like when you're selling anything, you want to provide the user the best experience up front. So you're going to provide them the best product. The product in this case is people. And I feel like I was inundated with all these messages. It's this huge dopamine hit where I was like, look at all this attention. And I know that sounds really bad. I just think psychologically, it's hard to avoid feeling that way, especially when you're not accustomed to the apps and you're getting flooded all of a sudden. And I did notice there were a lot of messages where people were clearly very casual in their intent. Like a lot of people being like, I'm only in town for a weekend, but if you want to come over or like come over to my place, we can watch a movie and go in the hot tub. And I was like, you know, the attention is nice, but that's not what I'm looking for. So it was easy enough to avoid those people because they were so upfront about that being what they wanted. And then I had two dates from Tinder Early on, and both of those guys were like quality guys, and I could tell that they both wanted relationships. Like one of them asked me to be exclusive on our third date. We were not exclusive. I think honestly, mentally, I probably wasn't ready because I was still kind of close to my breakup. And I wasn't quite sure that I wanted him to be my next partner. I just was on the fence about him. But all that being said, I feel like, you know, Tinder can be really in your face about what it is like as a hookup app, but there are still good people on it, or at least there were at the time. Maybe it shifted more now that Hinge and Bumble have risen in popularity even further. But yes, that was a long-winded answer to say, I feel like Hinge still still your top. Yeah, it's still my top. And I do think that it has not descended as much into a hookup app as Tinder has. And then I've talked about Bumble way too much on this podcast. (laughs) So I won't go into it too much. But I don't think that the approaching is necessarily like my preference. That's why I never downloaded it. Because I, I think in total, I've maybe messaged a guy once or twice first in my entire life. Like, I always just wait because yeah. I think if they're not interested in me, then I'm not going to even bother trying. I need to know <laughs> totally. that they are somewhat interested. Yeah, I, I think that the initiative on a guy's side is very attractive and it doesn't have to go one way. I know that, you know, for a guy, maybe he thinks the same about a girl, but I do agree with you that it's for me, not necessarily my MO. And I also think that even if I were to try it, because it's not something that I'm necessarily attuned to, it kind of comes across as awkward because it's just not natural for me. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And I kind of psych myself out. I think, is this witty enough? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I give guys a lot of credit because it's not easy to come up with opening lines that are memorable, but also, you know, don't come off too strong. It's it's a fine line to walk. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what they say in their first line, it does impact whether or not I decide to reply. Exactly. I use, okay. In the beginning of Tinder, because I think both of us, not that we're people pleasers, but Mm -hmm. we genuinely want to give everyone a chance. Yeah. Like in the beginning, I replied to everyone Mm -hmm. because I felt 
obligated to, you know? Yeah. And then over time, because there are just so many, mm-hmm. it's impossible to give everyone that same attention. So you kind yeah. of have to filter it out. You do. You do. And I think that also you kind of become better at listening to your gut and picking up on signals either in their profile or in their messages that tell you a little bit more about the type of person that they are or what they're looking for. Because to your point, there is literally no time to go on dates with everyone who likes you or who you match with. And so you really kind of have to figure out, okay, like, what is this guy actually about? Is it someone I could be compatible with? Do they even want the same thing that I want? And so you do have to pay attention to what those messages say and use it as a way to kind of whittle down the field. So it's actually interesting you bring that up because the most recent relationship I had, technically we matched on Hinge first Mm -hmm. and he messaged me, Mm -hmm. but his opening line, I remember it, I thought it was kind of lame. (laughs) I didn't reply. What was it? I mean, to be fair, my response wasn't even that great. But you know how Hinge has those prompts? Yes. It was something along the lines of what would be the last food that mm-hmm. you would have if it was your dying day, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote dumplings hands down because mm-hmm. those are my favorite food. Yeah. And then he messaged me. I think he wrote, I approve of your last meal. You're like, cool. I didn't <laughs> I need like, approval. Thank you, but I already decided that. <laughs> yeah. So I remember thinking, oh, he's not that cute and his line kind of sucks. So whatever. But the crazy thing is a couple days later, we met at a bar and I had no so recollection funny. of him. I didn't remember anything. I think he recognized me first mm-hmm. because one of my friends pointed him out and said, oh, that guy's pretty cute. He keeps looking over. Maybe you should go talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I was drunk enough to think, all right, why yes. not? And I did the whole girl thing where you just position, yes. position yourself. <laughs> I think you've talked about this yeah, before. Yeah, Stormy and I. Yeah, Stormy. So I totally had the same strategy as her. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to put myself in his peripherals. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, yeah, he came up and we started talking and hit it off really well. So my point is, even though on Hinge, it didn't translate well, like Mm -hmm. I ended up dating this guy. There was so much chemistry. And I just think sometimes you don't really know who's on the other side. And Mm -hmm. that's why I try to give everyone still a fair chance. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, this is another thing I know I've talked about ad nauseum, but that is one of the hardest things about dating profiles is that you have to kind of be cognizant of the fact that things don't always translate the same way online that they would in person. And you can't account for physical chemistry that you experience when you're just in someone's presence and actually interacting with them. So yeah, it feels harsh sometimes to make those snap judgments. But then from a practical standpoint, it's like you have to. So it's really difficult to find that balance of when am I being just discerning enough versus too picky and making snap judgments that are unfounded. Yeah, totally. I mean, I find myself, sometimes it's just even the order that you're swiping. Yes. It makes an impact. If I just haven't seen someone cute in a while and I see someone kind of remotely cute, Mm -hmm. I'll think, well, okay. Yeah. So sometimes it's your mood. It's like where you are Mm -hmm. uh, in what point of the day. And it can feel so, I don't know, just random and arbitrary. It can. Yeah. So it's really funny. When I was still with my roommate, Ariel, there was one Mm -hmm. period where we were swiping through guys together because I was just kind of like, I'm not in the mood to do this, but it's always more fun when you have a second set of eyes and it's nice to be able to talk through it with someone. 
So she was helping me go through these people's profiles and we actually did this as part of the podcast that didn't get aired. And so we had it on recording and I was listening back to it and I remember going through this one guy's profile and we had decided it was kind of on the fence, but we're like, I don't think so. And so we ended up not matching with him. (laughs) Then I was going through my old matches to be like, oh, which of these guys that I said yes to are still in my queue? And I was like, wait a minute, that guy that we said no to was in my queue. Oh, interesting. So I was like, how did that happen? Yeah, how does that work? So I think I've noticed that sometimes you might say no to someone on Hinge and they come up again. And yeah. I don't really know is it why like that a is. Chance? <laughs> yeah, is it like maybe they have paid for a feature that allows that to happen? Or if it's a bug, I really don't know. But this person's profile had come back. And so I was caught off guard. I forgot that I had gone through it and I went through it separately, ended up saying yes. And I remember I was on the fence again. I was like, I don't know if I should match with this person. And then we had this conversation over text and I remember thinking this guy doesn't really seem like he has a sense of humor at all. <laughs> like I tried to make the conversation light and he was just very matter of fact in his responses. But the conversation was fine. I was just like, mm, I'm not really getting any spark here. But I agreed to go on a coffee date with him because I was like, whatever, it's just coffee. It's not a huge commitment. Like, that's the least I can do. And I'll know whether or not there's a connection and if I want to see him again. So quick story, we ended up meeting on election day. And that is significant because I was wearing my I voted sticker. So he's ordering our coffee and the cashier looks at me and she's like, oh, do you want a free macaroon because you voted? And then he's like, oh, well, what about me? Kind of jokingly. And she looks at him and he doesn't have a sticker. And (laughs) she's like, oh... Yeah, I can give you one too. That would be like a weird thing to lie about. Like, I'll just trust that you voted. Yeah. So she gives him the macaroon and then I don't really think about it. We're talking. And as I suspected, it was really dull. And then I was trying to think of things to talk about. And he had talked about how busy he had been at work. So to make conversation, I was like, this is not good conversation, but this is how much I was struggling. I asked him, oh, well, like if your day was so busy, like when did you find time to vote? Did you do it before work? Did you go during a break? Did you go after? And he was like, oh, I didn't vote. And I was like, what? Why would you lie? And it's not the biggest deal, but it was just such a weird thing to lie about. And if you really want a macaroon that badly, it's like $3. So like the principle of it is weird. It's not even like you're getting something of value by lying. I just thought that was very bizarre. So that on top of how boring the conversation was, I was just like, this is not going to work. Literally at an hour, I was like, all right, I got to go. It was a stretch to even get to that hour. So... (laughs) All that just goes to say, honestly, I wish that he hadn't come up in my queue again and I had just listened to the feedback Arielle and I had decided on the first time. Yeah, so do you think that your friends might have a better feel of what would actually be, you know, a better partner for you who would be most compatible based on what they know about you? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. I think, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I might as well just hand it to someone else to decide for me. You know what? This is no shade to my friends at all. I'm going to say not necessarily. And the only reason I say that is because a lot of my very close friends, maybe half and half, I don't know, but enough of my close friends haven't experienced online dating. And Mm. so that's not to say that they don't know what I would mesh with, but I think if they're evaluating from like an online dating perspective, it's a little bit harder to give feedback when you haven't gone through the process. You know, like I think that... If you haven't gone through it yourself, kind of like what we were saying before, it feels like it might be like more of a gamified thing and you 
aren't evaluating profiles in the same way as you would if you've actually been through the online dating experience. So I think maybe if we're looking at it just outside of online dating and in terms of what types of personality will match mine, I think that yes, they would be attuned to that. But I don't know that I would say that all of my friends are most equipped to give feedback on like what I should look for in an online dating profile. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I know you mentioned another dating approach that is separate from online dating. And I have not heard of this before you brought (laughs) it up, but I would love to hear more about subtle Asian dating and what exactly that is. Okay. So to give a little bit of context, there was an original Facebook page called subtle Asian traits Mm -hmm. that blew up maybe 2018 end of the year. I think it was started by just some Chinese Americans and it was just really casual. People were sharing memes that were relatable and Mm -hmm. then they started adding their friends. And then at some point there were just millions of people in the group and I just got added in. Mm -hmm. And because there were so many people in the group, And I think people were just bored. They started auctioning off their friends. (laughs) Some of them were just really clever. It started out just like, oh, this is my brother. He's super single. Mm -hmm. This is the school he goes to or where he works, whatever. This is how old he is. And then they would list out pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And then it just blew up. And I mean, I've heard success stories come out from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had friends who've been auctioned. I've had friends who tried to shoot their shots at people. And it's become a whole thing. So, yeah. I mean, some of my friends for the longest time we're like Alina we have to get you on there we need mm-hmm. to write an auction for you that hasn't happened yet we were almost going to do it mm-hmm. but it's pretty entertaining how does the auction work exactly so is it really just like people looking at your profile and then like either commenting or sending you a dm right do the friends kind of take the reins like the same friends who put you up for auction are they the ones who are sifting through and then deciding who to set you up with so it depends on the person who posts Mm -hmm. typically they you know put a couple pictures up they put your information and then they'll list out that person's social so whether it's their facebook profile or their instagram profile they'll say something like dm directly or they'll be like really invested and they say you know i'm gonna screen everyone beforehand oh my please send me your resume or okay that's a little bit on the crazy side (laughs) yeah like write a professional matchmaker oh my gosh and then some people get real creative they make videos wow and then it's gotten to the point where i've seen people auction themselves off like they'll write their own (laughs) post and people are clever i've seen people auction off their single divorced moms and that's what was really 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 sweet because yeah. you see that and you're like wow this kid like so this is a range it's not only people who are like millennials or gen z it's like also so older people it has turned into something crazy because i would say the majority are people in their early 20s so mm-hmm. i'm even kind of on the older side mm-hmm. so they made a spin-off group called subtle asian leftovers Oh, that's Sal. Or something like that. It's called Sal for short. Um, But it's like 25 and up. Oh, leftovers is already 25 and up. That's so horrible. But you will find that group has a different vibe. It kind Mm -hmm. of turned into a thing with the younger people on SAD, which is subtle Asian dating. Mm -hmm. Those people (laughs) seem to be mostly looking for clout. Like a lot of these girls are influencers already have thousands of followers and you're like okay seriously you don't have trouble finding guys no yeah but then on the leftovers page it's a little bit more (laughs) genuine they're like this is what i'm looking for you can tell they put a lot of thought in their posts but it's cute it's been interesting to see how people have found new ways to find love in the internet you know (laughs) yeah that is so fascinating and it's crazy that it's millions of people and i've never heard of it until you brought it up to me this Mm -hmm. afternoon wow yeah so many eyeballs and that was something i struggled with because i did 
I was curious. I was kind of yeah. like, if I did, you know, put myself out there, what would it be like? Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, he he prides himself in being one of the best like advertisers out there. He's he's auctioned off like 10 people. Wow. And he's always saying, Alina, let me do it for you. Let me do it. And okay. I'm like, okay, maybe. Yeah. And then for him, I don't know, he says that like the girls that he's auctioned off, there will be thousands of people in their DMs. Like thousands? The, thousands. Yeah. That's and exhausting. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, even if it's like a, a couple hundred or whatever, that would be too much for me. Even 10 is like, yeah, that's hold a lot your to go through. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it almost becomes like online dating where mm-hmm. too many options and that's not necessarily a good thing. It, yeah, it really isn't. I feel like paradox of choice is oh, such a problem sure. with online dating and it's really hard to look at people objectively. Cause like you said earlier, you might go through some people who aren't super desirable and then that boosts your opinion of someone else's profile. Right. Or if they're stacked up against all these people who are super hot, you might not look at them for who they are and give them a fair chance. It really is tough. It's so interesting that online dating can make you pickier than ever, but also not at the same time because yeah. there can be, you know, phases where you get have no luck mm-hmm. and then you kind of just settle and you're like, okay, well, let me go on <laughs> six dates with the same person, mm-hmm. even though I'm not into them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have you read the book Modern Romance? Romance? That is Aziz, one of my favorite books. It's so fascinating. Book. And it's about the paradox of choice. Mm-hmm. I read that book when I was going through a breakup with my first mm-hmm. ex. And it was a great but also really traumatizing time to read it because they talked a lot about the differences of dating currently versus what our parents and grandparents yeah. went through and how people would oftentimes just kind of find someone and settle down with them and then they would just be happy with that and he really argued both sides in a way where I would read one chapter and I had ended that relationship and so some chapters would make me think you made the right choice like you shouldn't settle because there could be somebody out there who's like your perfect fit but then I would read another chapter and it would make me question if I was being too hasty and too Mm -hmm. picky and if I was making this huge mistake And in the end, I do think that it's important to listen to your heart and your gut. And if you really feel like it's not the right relationship for you, you shouldn't just be in it just because. Right. But it was really tough. And it was a great way to reflect on how picky I was being and what was motivating those decisions. Yeah. I mean, I've even talked about this with my parents. They've become pretty invested with my romantic life because they're like, come on, you've had four boyfriends now. What is what is going on? And I'm an only child. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, know how, how that is. is. They're like, okay, so when are we having grandchildren? Yep. Like, what's happening? My original plan was get married by 25, have kids by 27. Like, there's no way mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want that anymore. I'm yeah. definitely not ready for that. Yeah. But I just look at my parents and it's such a different generation mm-hmm. because they have only really like been with each other. Mm-hmm. My dad is the only guy that my mom has ever dated. Wow. How old were they when they met? I think she was 24. Really? And she got married at 25. Wow. But what is the most insane thing to me is, well, first of all, they got married, I think only after like six months. Wow. And that's shorter than all my relationships. Yeah. And then the second thing is of those six months, like half of those were long distance mm-hmm. between the UK and the US. Oh my god! 
So they're like, how hard can it be? Like you guys have FaceTime now, you have yeah. internet, like you can text. And I think for their relationship, you know, at that time, phone calls were so expensive. Yeah. International calls. Mm-hmm. So my dad would literally be calculating like every minute, like talk faster because each minute <laughs> is like $5 or whatever. So they would have to write letters. Oh, that's so romantic. Yeah. So I don't know how often or how in-depth you talk to your parents about what it was like in the early days of them dating, but do they express that they kind of just knew that they were the one? Do they express (laughs) if they ever had doubts, especially on your mom's side, having not dated anyone else? I think I'm so similar to my mom in many ways, but one thing that I just don't understand is how she could never feel like some kind of curiosity about like Mm -hmm. other people or what if she pretty much only dated my dad right and then ended up marrying him Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is for her she said that it wasn't maybe like a certain defining moment where she knew he was the one but Mm -hmm. just that she felt like she could wholeheartedly be herself around him yeah and she said that it wasn't like this huge romantic like crazy passionate love it was just wow this person i just feel so close to them like their Mm -hmm. family and they they did spend a lot of time together and Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess dating back then might have just been a little bit simpler. Yeah. That sounds very refreshing and nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like, you know, so we have a very different experience. It's not that simple for us. And because we meet so many people online, I feel like that kind of opens us up to some less than ideal experiences. Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm wondering, have you had any crazy dates? Because, you know, you always hear about those dating horror stories from strangers Uh that you meet online. Do you have anything that approaches that? I haven't had any, like, totally awful experience that just made me want to quit dating altogether. But Mm -hmm. I've definitely had experiences that were just so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. One from the top of my head, which was, like, probably the most awkward thing I've ever been through, was I went to a restaurant with a guy for dinner. Mm -hmm. It was all going well. Like, we had good conversation. He seemed nice. Mm -hmm. So the bill came, and, like, I usually offer to split or, like, I bring my card out. And it was a first date, so I had a feeling he was going to be like, no, it's fine. Yeah. Um, And that's what he did. He insisted. He was like, you know what? I got this first date. I got this. Mm -hmm. And then, like, five minutes later, the waitress comes out, and she says... Hey, I, I just want to check, like, is everything all right? Like, was the service bad? Did you guys not enjoy it? And she held out the receipt because I guess he didn't tip. Oh. And it was just so awkward because she was asking both of us. Oh, and God. I was just like, I don't even know what to say because I don't know. And and I think he was caught off guard because he probably didn't expect to be, con- to be confronted. He probably just thought, good like, for oh, that waitress. Yeah, I mean, good for her. But then... From that point on, the re- the not the relationship, the date. <laughs> I was you dated this guy. No, no, definitely not. The date just was off. Like I didn't know yeah. how to act like myself. I oh think my he God. felt awkward. I felt bad. I, I mean, I don't think he's a terrible person, but that is kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah, for not no to reason. tip anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. So that was like one <sighs> kind of strange experience. Yeah. The only other, I guess, negative experience I've had is just when guys can't read body language. Yes. Does that happen? Yes, definitely. Um, And I think, okay, so here's the thing. If you have like dinner or, you know, go on a first section of a date with someone Mm -hmm. and they maybe like invite you for a nightcap or like Mm -hmm. invite you back to your place, do you feel like by saying yes, that's agreeing to something that's more physical or implied because mm-hmm. I walked in thinking like oh we had a great date I wouldn't mind getting to know them mm-hmm. but then what happened after was I felt super uncomfortable because yeah. we went back to his place like watched a show 
and I didn't want anything physical to happen and maybe I shouldn't have even accepted it. So that was on me because he, mm-hmm. he just started like being overly handsy and I was yeah. just put in an awkward situation. You know, I don't think that's on you because I do think that unfortunately there is a connotation where if you go back to someone's place that maybe they think you're going to hook up with them. I see what you're saying in that, you know, if you've had a good time and you want to get to know them more, talk more, you should be able to hang out with them without the guy being like, yes, this is my chance. Or like there's an expectation that it'll lead to something. And it it has to be natural if it does. It can't just be like, okay, now you're in my home or like we're now we're in a private place so I can do whatever I want. Exactly. And to your point, you have to really read body language. Honestly, that's super creepy. If you are clearly not indicating that you're interested in moving forward and the guy is still like, oh, I'm going to like shoot my shot anyway. So if you felt uncomfortable, like he was making advances that you didn't want, would you just leave or would you just say like, hey, like I don't feel comfortable and then just continue to like finish out the date, I guess? I think I would try to address it and say like, I'm not here for that, but I'd love to keep hanging out. Yeah. And then I think how he reacted would be really telling. If he was disappointed or tried to coerce me, then obviously I'd be like, okay, well then I'm going to have to leave. I don't think that I would necessarily leave right away because, you know, yeah, I'm you can way. give someone the benefit of the doubt and maybe they just assumed that you were on the same page as them, but they're willing to back off once you realize that's... Yeah, no, I really just wanted to get to know you. Yeah, so I think with that experience, I just said something like, oh, you know what? I just don't feel comfortable doing that on the first day. Mm-hmm. I kind of made up an excuse. And that, I mean, that is true. Yeah. Typically, I don't want to do anything physical mm-hmm. with just meeting someone, especially if I'm not totally comfortable with them. And I remember him being really nice about it and saying, oh, like, that's okay. Like, I won't kiss you or I'll just sit next to you. Mm-hmm. But then he grabbed my hand and then just started, like, pulling on every finger Why? in a way to, like, massage me. But it was so bizarre. That's super weird. And that just made me feel even more uncomfortable. I'm like, did he think this was a seduction tactic? Like, maybe she'll be more comfortable now? Like, what? Yeah. So I would say those are probably the two that come to mind for not the best experiences. But I wouldn't say anything crazy has happened. What about you? I don't have anything crazy Well, the one on your vlog... Oh my god. Yeah, that date was pretty bad. So the Chuck E. Cheese experience, which is kind of long, so I won't really get into it, but this guy just, we weren't super compatible, and then I ended up proposing a drinking game. And I say that wasn't even that crazy, only because I take responsibility for offering to play a drinking game and then getting too drunk. That was my fault. The one thing that I would say came closest to a crazy date, so... It's a little bit of a longer story just because I feel like it wasn't one thing. It was just a combination of different things that made the state uncomfortable. So I'd matched with this guy and I matched with him on a Friday. We honestly didn't talk for that long. And we talked a little bit on Saturday and then Sunday afternoon, he texted me and he asked, oh, what are you doing today? And I'd come from a flag football game and my plan was literally to go to the beach by myself because it was a nice day, it was the middle of summer. And he was like, oh, do you want to go to Malibu? And because I was already going to go to the beach, I was like, yeah, why not? Honestly, I was going to go alone. Why not just go with this guy? And normally I talk to somebody more, but I had had a couple experiences where I've been fed up with the conversation dragging on for too long without anything happening. So I was like, it's kind of refreshing that we're going to meet up and just not waste our time being pen pals before we actually make something happen. 
So I drove all the way to Malibu. And part of why I did that too is because he was driving from Burbank. So I was like, we're both equally committed to driving out. It's not like I'm just going out to meet him because he's already there. So we go to the beach. And that's also, it was my first time doing a first date at the beach. I think it's been my only time doing a first date at the beach. Is that... Do you like that type of date? Well, I have gone on beach dates for like second or third dates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. But for the first date, I was like, oh my God, I'm be in a bikini for the first uh-huh. time I've seen him. <laughs> and Ooh. he also was just like trying to be too flirty and like too handsy. So it was a little weird. Yeah. So we go to the beach and before I met him, he had mentioned that his wallet had gotten stolen the night before. And I was like, oh, that's really shitty. Yeah. And I guess he borrowed money to go on this date. And that's understandable. Your wallet got stolen. What else are you going to do? But he kind of went into a lot of detail about how he borrowed money from his grandma and like talked about how much money it was. So then it comes out that he also lived with his grandma and you know what? That's fine. I think that there are a lot of reasons for living with your grandparents. I wasn't sure if maybe he was taking care of her or if they're just really close. So I kind of was like, oh, are you and your grandma really close? And he's like, no, not really. And was just really dismissive about that. So it's okay. That's not it. Also, on the date, he had gone out of his way to talk about how much money he made. So I knew it wasn't a financial (laughs) thing. And he kind of was just like, yeah, it's just nice because I live in the back house and like, I don't really have to do that much. So it's like, oh, you're just living there out of laziness. It's not out of necessity. It's not a familial or a health reason. So I was like, that's kind of a turn off. And he just admitted a lot of little things about himself through conversation. For example, we were talking about jobs. And so he was like, oh, yeah, like you have a really cool job. I was telling him about how I worked at Universal at the time. And then he was talking about his current job, which was a good job. You know, clearly he made enough money to brag about. Mm -hmm. And he was like, before this, I moved to Vegas to be a professional gambler. And I was like, oh, like, are you really good at poker? Again, like not necessarily the career choice that would be my top pick, but I was like, you can make a lot of money from that. I don't know. So it's like, are you really good at it? And he's like, no, not really. So I was like, okay, also reckless. And we went swimming. And at one point he just like keeps going further and further. And he talked about how the last time that he had been there, he had to get saved by the lifeguard because he went out too far and got pulled out in a rip current. And I was like, I'm not trying, like I'm down on the water, but I'm not trying to go like swimming out into the ocean right now. So I ended up going back. I was like, yeah, it's a little far. I'm just going to go back. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to go out a little bit further. And he went out and I guess the lifeguard told him he had to come back in because he was going too far again. Uh I was like, This guy, there's just a pattern of reckless behavior. Yeah. And so then he reveals that he had been to rehab three times. And so, again, I'm not trying to judge him because, you know. Everyone has different struggles. Everyone has their different struggles. But I was just like, there are a lot of questionable lifestyle choices that this guy makes. So I stayed on the date and we were at the beach for a little while. And then we agreed to go get food. And so... We meet up at this place. It's at Malibu Farm. Really great date spot, honestly. And, like, they had all these games, and it was really cool. And we put our names in to wait for the restaurant. So before they called our names, he had mentioned, like, oh, like, what are you doing after this? And it was a Sunday. And I was like, oh, I'm, like, going to go home and meal prep. And he's like, oh, I wanted to see if you wanted to hang out afterwards. And I was not down. I was already decided that I wasn't going to see this person again. But out of curiosity, I was like, what did you have in mind? And he's like, oh, I thought we could, like, go somewhere and watch Netflix. And I was like, 
literally where at your grandma's house or are you inviting yourself over to my place in Culver City? I was just baffled. So I said no. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I think I should probably go home and like prep for the week. But we had already put our names in. And so I think that after he realized that I wasn't going to hook up with him, he bailed basically. And he was just like, you know, the prices are kind of expensive and I only have this hundred dollars and I had to pay for parking. And he'd also paid for my parking, which was really nice. But he's like, and I have to get gas. And like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to pay for the dinner. So we should probably just go. And I was like, cool, fine. I didn't want to be here anyway. (laughs) Let's just leave. It was just so, so that was like probably the wildest experience. But again, it could be way worse. It's nowhere near some of the horror stories that I've heard. Okay. So now I want to know if it weren't for quarantine, what would typically be your choice of first date? It kind of is a range because I like to go for drinks. I think that's fun. I love just going out to different restaurants and bars in general and like checking out all the options in LA. Recently, I think that after I had a period where I was like, I'm so burnt out on like going on a bunch of first dates, I became more open to going on like a coffee date because I think that it's still a good enough way to get to know somebody and it's even lower stakes. And then if it's not a connection, it's not like this big time commitment. Mm -hmm. So I can really go either way. I feel like if I've had a connection with someone and I feel like we're going to have good chemistry and hit it off, then I'm totally open to going to dinner on a first date or going to drinks or doing an activity. I feel like that's really fun. Yeah. But also up for the the more casual coffee dates. One of the better dates that I went on was I went to Barney's Beanery. It doesn't sound that exciting, <laughs> but we got drinks and he offered to teach me how to play pool. And I know how to play, but I'm not good. So he was giving me pointers and then we played Aww. shuffleboard. And I feel like that was a great date because... It's interactive. It, exactly. It's kind of and it was like a friendly level of competition. I will say, I think the pool was a little bit of a move because he would like put his hand on my waist. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can't always do that on a date. But aside from that, I feel like it was a great date because it did kind of break down some of the barriers that you have when you're literally just statically sitting across from somebody yeah. And the competition ended like an, a level of flirtiness that was really fun. Mm-hmm. So I asked that because I think I might be a little bit in the minority when it comes to first date preferences. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like drinks because then you can loosen up with the alcohol, some liquid courage. Mm-hmm. But I get really, really bored with restaurant and bar dates, especially mm-hmm. first dates because all of those types of dates go the same way. It's predictable because mm-hmm. the first conversation you have with someone is always like, what do you do? Background. Mm-hmm. It's like very, I don't know, surface level maybe. Yeah. So for me, also this is just because I like being really active. Mm-hmm. I think hiking is my favorite type of first date. Yes. And most people mm-hmm. are like, that sounds horrible. You're going to be stuck with this person on a mountain. Like, <laughs> That's not ideal at all. But my point of view is, okay, so we're on this mountain. I get to... You know, if it's a bad day, at the very least, I got to work out. I honestly agree. Right? I've done a couple hiking dates more recently. I actually like it also. Yeah. And then it's it's kind of nice because there isn't that pressure of, oh, if he paid for you, like you have to mm-hmm. kind of pay back with yes. dessert or like something. I know you should never feel obligated if a guy pays for you, but it's just in my personality to feel like, you know, I want it to be even. And I yeah. think with something like hiking, it's like no one owes anyone anything. That's true. And I like it because it's similar to coffee where it's lower stakes. Lower stakes. But coffee is admittedly pretty boring unless mm-hmm. you're going to like a fun cafe that has games or something like that. So I like the idea of doing a low stakes date where you're still doing something active. And like one of the better dates that I went on 
was also really low stakes in that we did the Culver stairs, which was kind of intense because we did the stairs once, which is already like... You're like sweating aggressive. in front of each other. Yeah, it wasn't like the cutest. And then we like walked down and then we walked up the hill and down the stairs. So we kind of did it twice. And then we walked to ice cream at the platform. And so oh. the ice cream, it was a longer date because it was a mile and a half walk. And then we got the ice cream and like sat and had it there. And then we walked back. But I actually really liked that because it was all interactive. It was very chill. And... I felt like I got a good amount of time to get to know him without it being, like, the formality of going to dinner or drinks. Yeah. One good date activity, and it's perfect for quarantine right now, mm-hmm. for a social distancing date. One of the best dates I went on was hydro biking. Oh, that's yeah, fun. It is. It's kind of like paddleboarding, but you're on a bike. Yeah. And, yeah, it's chill. It's not as you know, strenuous or grueling as maybe hiking because yeah. you're working out a little bit, but you're not sweating profusely. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Yeah. That's but a good I, idea. I will say with quarantine going on, I think picnic dates are pretty nice. Yeah. And it's kind of romantic. It's, it is because you're just by yourself. Yeah. And I think that it's a nicer level of intimacy when you're kind of like, oh, we're both going to bring something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's something that is more intimate about that than just ordering off of a menu. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is a really cute date idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because we talked about what it was like to ask your friends what type of person you should be with. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear about your interpretation of what you think your type is, how that's evolved, all of that. Yeah. Oh, man. I personally think my type is all over the place, but every one of my friends says, you have a type. (laughs) And I get so much shit for it. <laughs> um, what is the type? It's gotten to the point that with subtle Asian dating, I will have multiple people tag me in the same post. No. 100% your type. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Okay. So are you talking from a physical standpoint or like Both. personality? Physical and personality. Okay. So I guess, I mean, this is something interesting. I will say I'm pretty open from a demographic standpoint mm-hmm. on like who I date, but it just so happens that most of the guys that I've dated have been Asian. Mm -hmm. And I do think maybe there is like a cultural thing there where I've been able to connect a little bit easier with them. So like in general, I've dated like pretty tall, dark, handsome Asian Mm -hmm. dudes who are athletic, like pretty well built into sports. I I like anyone who's really active. Mm -hmm. And then on the more of the personality type, I would say in the last two years, I find myself being attracted to the very like manly alpha kind of not aggressive, like for sure assertive and confident Mm -hmm. type of guy. But it's made me realize that that type, even though I'm attracted to them, it doesn't always translate to successful relationships because we Mm -hmm. might be very incompatible and like they might have a personality that's too strong and like overpower me. And so I don't really get to have as much of a say. And I think Mm -hmm. I end up feeling like I lose myself a little bit. Yeah. 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 And I think that's really self-aware of you to be able to describe it so articulately for one, but also to be able to analyze the impact that that might be having on you. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have less of a type and maybe my friends would be like, that's not true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But physically I, I have preferences. I guess everyone has preferences, but I wouldn't say that if you look back on the people who I've dated that you would see, you wouldn't see any commonality. (laughs) 
I think the only commonality is that they've all been tall, which is only a coincidence because I'm 5'3", so it's not even like... Do you care about height? (laughs) God, I... I like to say I don't. I like to say I don't, too. I mean, technically, yeah, I will say I don't care about height, but I I like tall guys. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't. But again, because I'm 5'3", it, I know it doesn't matter as much. I do wear heels a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, in heels, I guess I'm only 5'7". But yeah, I don't know. I think that what I like more than height... Okay, I'm going to backtrack. Because what I like more than height is just someone who feels really strong. Like, I wouldn't want to date a guy who's tall, but feels like oh, they're going to struggle to pick me up, honestly. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it is. It's like, I want someone who, like, makes me feel small and, like, yeah. petite. And... They can just throw you over their shoulder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that is what I like. Yeah. But, yeah, other than that, I don't really think I have a type physically. And I wouldn't say that this is my type in that I seek it out, but I will say one commonality between three of the people who I dated exclusively is that they all had extroverted sides to them, but I think that at their core, they were introverts and that the introverted side came out more after I started dating them, which is interesting because I would say that I'm very extroverted and I don't think I have to date an extrovert, obviously, because I dated all of those people long term. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting because I think sometimes it can cause clashes in terms of finding a balance of like the type of activities that you want to do, how much social interaction you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And both people, I think, just have to be really cognizant of making sure that the introvert isn't stifling the extrovert, but that the extrovert is not pushing the introvert too far out of their comfort zone. So I think it can work. It's just you have to be so cognizant of finding that balance. And that's something that I've learned in those past three relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I So I read somewhere, or maybe I'm making this up, but I think exes can almost be like a time capsule Mm. because they're sort of a reflection of where you are at a certain point in your life and maybe what you need or what you crave. Mm. So when you talk about types in the beginning, like my first two boyfriends, I would say they were both more of the typical nice guy type. Mm -hmm. And I've never been someone who growing up wanted a bad boy. And maybe that's because, I don't know, I had my parents' relationship as an example and they're so loving. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I for sure want to be with someone who is as sweet and kind as my dad. And like, I don't want someone who like, why would you want a bad boy? Right. Yeah. But then interestingly enough, it wasn't until later on, like around college, I just started really liking emotionally unavailable men. Mm. And I don't know what it is, but I think like at some point in your twenties, you just sort of realize that on both sides of the spectrum, the less you care, the more people seem to be into you. Yeah. It's, It's an unfortunate pattern. Have you read about attachment styles? Yeah, I have. I haven't read the book. I actually really do want to read into it more, but I've listened to a couple of podcasts or read some articles about it. And it is really interesting because I feel like those emotionally unavailable guys who are the avoidant type, I feel like they really do kind of tend to end up with people who are anxious attachment styles. And I think that's so interesting and I can't really articulate why that is. I'm also not saying you're an anxious attachment type, but it might be. (laughs) It's just so interesting though, because I think it's so hard to date an emotionally unavailable person. So for them to end up with someone who's already anxious about that kind of thing is so toxic. And yet it seems to happen quite a bit. 
I think maybe because the secure people are like, we don't want to deal with either of these. We're just going to get together and avoid all of that. But yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, but I do think I've sort of come back full circle. Like, okay, I've, I've gone through my bad boy phase yeah. and gotten hurt a little bit, and now I just want something that's, you know, a little bit healthier. Yeah, and I think that also when you go through those less healthy relationships, it helps you to appreciate the healthy relationships long term. And it just kind of teaches you how you want to be treated and how you want to feel in a relationship and what that looks like so that then you can kind of seek it out in future partners. So it would be great if no one had to go through that, but I do think that those are good learning experiences that then show you what you really do need in a partner. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel like you broke out of having a specific type that was less healthy for you? I think I'm still going through that now. I still find myself being attracted to certain types of guys that I know deep down are not good for me, but I feel like I'm getting to a point where I've gone through, you know, those relationships where I'm kind of like chasing, well, not chasing because I've been on the other side too, but it's always like, more interesting when there is a chase involved Mm -hmm. and now i'm like i just want security and Mm -hmm. i want you've heard of like the five love languages right i think quality time and words of affirmation are like my top Mm -hmm. and those are both things that weren't super valued i think in my last two relationships and now it's it's been helpful to sort of evaluate what relationships non-romantic work well in my life and Mm -hmm. I realize like if my friends treat me so well and like know me so well then my significant other has to be the same if not better yeah that's so true and it's really interesting to think about how from friendships for the most part I feel like we have our standards for how a friend should treat us and there are a lot of times where you think about you know oh I took this type of behavior from a partner, but would I have taken it from a friend? And the answer is often no. So it's really interesting to think about why you set different standards for your friends than your relationship partners. And I do think there's a lot to that if you do have a different type of connection and a physical connection comes in, whereas that does not come in with a friendship, it's only how they treat you in the emotional aspect. But I think that if you evaluate relationships the same way you evaluate friendships, then it's easier to identify when the behavior is not meeting your standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So in terms of what those previous unhealthy relationships looked like, Mm -hmm. what were some of the behaviors that you experienced and how did that impact you and like make you feel? Yeah. So one of those, there was just a complete lack of trust Mm -hmm. and... It got to the point where I think I felt crazy if I felt suspicious, even though I had good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, you know, a lot of red flags out there, all pointing to sort of the same thing, but I was maybe a little bit in denial. Mm -hmm. So whenever I confronted him, like, about those things, he would just say, oh, you're overreacting, or Mm -hmm. there would always be an excuse. Yeah. Um, One of the ones from the top of my head, and looking back, it sounds so crazy, Mm -hmm. but I remember when we had first started dating, there was this girl he was talking to, And I knew that girl Mm -hmm. and he changed her name in his phone to Brad. Whoa. And I, at the time I remember thinking like, wait, what? And so I asked him about it and he said, oh, it's just an inside joke. Like, it's just something funny. Like I just call her Brad. Uh, And oh my God. 
anyone who hears that knows that's bullshit. But at the time I was just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, ha ha. All right. Mm -hmm. So it just got to a point where anything like that, if that happened, I'd bring it up. And sometimes I would probably be right and he'd have an excuse for it. But sometimes I'd also maybe be wrong. Yeah. And then it would just make me look even crazier. Mm -hmm. So I would say there was for sure a lot of gaslighting. It's always hard when you're with a partner and you try to justify your feelings and they tell you that you don't deserve to feel that way. Yeah, because no one should be able to tell you that you are correct in feeling the way that you feel or incorrect. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that when you phrase something not as a, you always do this, but as this makes me feel this way, it's really unfair for somebody to try to negate that. Like, how can someone speak to you about what you're feeling internally? Exactly. Yeah, another like aspect of, I guess, toxic relationships is if you don't feel 100% like yourself and mm-hmm. you can be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big sign of like something that's going wrong. One thing that I've found with me is because I'm like a relationship girl, mm-hmm. if I'm invested, then I put a lot of effort in. And so it's a little bit easier for me to become sort of entrenched in their lives. And so yeah. I give up a lot of my own identity and myself. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm working on. But if you don't set those boundaries early on, it's like you're going to kind of get stepped on. It's very true. And I feel like there was a period of time when I realized I wasn't pursuing my hobbies Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to put the blame on anybody else. I think it's similar to where I was so focused on this relationship. I really wanted to make it work. And so that was a primary focus area of mine. Work also, I think, was another thing that was keeping me very busy. And so between those two things, I just wasn't actively pursuing it and wasn't really prioritizing trying to express how important it was that we do certain things because I was so worried about the foundation of the relationship that I didn't necessarily want to rock the boat. So again, I'm taking full responsibility for that. It's not as if I put it out there and it was shot down, but... It is really hard, I think, to be cognizant of the fact that you're maybe neglecting some of your needs. And I think that that lack of pursuing my hobbies kind of continued into when I became single because I was very much ready to throw myself out into the dating pool Mm -hmm. and dive into that. And dating takes a lot of time, honestly, (laughs) a lot of energy. And so I had just been focused on that. And again, not really thinking about the fact that you need to have hobbies and you need to be an interesting person in your own right. I don't think I was a shell of myself, but there were other things that I could have pursued further that I think were really important and that I neglected for a while. Yeah, honestly, that's my biggest fear. Whenever I'm single, I feel like I have all the time in the world and I can pursue all my hobbies. I have time to write. Mm -hmm. I have time to see my friends. Like, I like myself better when I'm single. Mm -hmm. And saying that out loud is so sad sometimes because I'm like, maybe I should just be single forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is a fine balance to be able to still, you know, have your own identity and do the things that you want to do and make sure your partner respects that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is a good balance of spending time with your partner versus spending time with your own friends versus combining those two? Yeah. So when I was dating my most recent ex, I literally only saw him and his friends Mm -hmm. because there was almost this expectation that since I was kind of living with him, Mm -hmm. that we would always be over there. Mm -hmm. And I just fell off the face of earth. And honestly, I sort of had a falling out with one of my friend groups. Mm -hmm. And that was a a big moment where I was like, wow, I just became that girl that I never wanted to be. Like I have actively tried to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But so now when it comes to balance, I think 
you know, like it's always great if your SO gets along with your friends and mm-hmm. vice versa, mm-hmm. but I think it's really important to set aside time apart. So with the guy that I'm currently seeing, I kind of try to make sure that we don't see each other one day after another. Like yeah. if we see each other, it'll be like on a Wednesday and the next time we'll see each other is Saturday. So there are a couple mm-hmm. days in between because I think yeah. once you spend too much time, in, especially in the beginning, yeah. you fall into this pattern of just like watching Netflix all day or like being lazy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's something I'm still working on. It's such a hard balance. And I remember being in one relationship where he was really into football and I love sports, but I admittedly am not as into football as he was. And I remember during football season, most of our Sundays would be centered around. Oh, no. I was always at his place and he was really into fantasy. So he wanted to watch every game and I would just kind of be there. And I feel like that was on me again, because if I'm not actively invested in the game, I don't have to be there. I feel like to an extent it is quality time, but we weren't really doing anything. And so it would have been a great opportunity for me to be like, if you're going to watch these games, that's great. I'm going to go do this. And then maybe we can come back and make dinner together at the end of the night, rather than just kind of hanging out there all day and kind of lesson planning or doing whatever, but feeling like I wasted the day and then being a little bit resentful of it. Exactly. That's totally happened to me. And I think the thing with quality time is I don't have to spend a lot of time with you. I don't have to spend every day with you, but the time that I do spend with you has to be intentional. Yes. And, you know, we're not on our phones and distracted. Like, yeah. we're actually focusing on each other. So with that recent relationship, one thing that I remember was, you know, there's an expectation. Same thing. Like, on Sundays, they watch football, and I'd mm-hmm. be there. And I'd ask, like, well, why can't I go, you know, hang out with my girlfriend? Yeah. Or do something else while you do this? And I remember him being kind of, like, insulted, thinking, you know, like, why don't you enjoy being here? And he said that was a bad sign. And he said, like, you know, my partner, I feel like the right partner would just fit in seamlessly here and, like, love being here with me. But then he never necessarily made efforts to hang out with my friends or do things that I wanted. Yeah, it's just not fair when it isn't reciprocated, honestly. Because it could be he's the most passionate about football and he wants you to learn about it so that he can talk to you about it and share it. But then he's willing to do the things that you're passionate about as well, even if he doesn't care about them. And it's just a crazy thought to me that he was so expectant that it would be a one way thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. Well, okay. So for your current relationship, I feel like you've already taken a lot of the learnings from your past relationship, like how you said that you have tried to limit the amount of time that you spend with them to keep it balanced. What are some other things that have made this different than some of the past relationships you've been in? Yeah. So we haven't defined it yet. Like we aren't officially together because mm-hmm. it's only been honestly a month. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to rush anything, mm-hmm. but it's already felt so different. And mm-hmm. I think it's because he's not my usual type. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned before, like I kind of seem to like emotionally unavailable men. Maybe one of my friends says it's maybe it's because you're like a nurturer and you mm. like to like fix people Mm -hmm. or you see them as projects and that sounds terrible but I think there might be some truth to it is like I want to bring that more vulnerable side out Mm -hmm. but like if it's not going to come out it's never going to come out it's not going to be up to me yeah so with this current guy one thing that I love about him is he's just so emotionally present and Mm -hmm. just very emotionally intelligent like even from the first couple of dates that we went on he just opened up so easily and I think we got to that level of 
emotional intimacy that like usually doesn't happen and I think until a couple months later yeah like, we talked about our families like very personal things I opened up about my previous relationships and like one thing was he just never judged me on anything in my past yeah like I kind of told him you know I have some baggage and for him he just said you know that's your past like I can't judge you on that mm -hmm. like I have my past too so he's just so easy to talk to and I feel like very, very comfortable with him already, but I don't feel like we're moving so quickly in the ways that my previous relationships where we just like jumped right in yeah. and it was so passionate and intense that I couldn't fully like sit there and figure out, oh, is this healthy? Is this yeah. going in the right direction? Is this actually what I want? But I feel like he gives me the time and space to figure that out. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I can definitely attest to what it feels like when you feel like you can fully be yourself with somebody yeah. and how different that can feel than a relationship where you just never quite reach that level of comfort. Exactly. And it's crazy to look back and think on previous people I've dated where in theory, I should have reached that and I just never did. And I couldn't really articulate it at the time, but I just never fully felt comfortable being myself 100%. So when you do find that person who you are able to open up to and you know that they won't judge you, it really is amazing, especially after you've experienced kind of the opposite. Yeah. So when it comes to dating, I kind of see it almost like a ladder. Mm -hmm. Like first off, when you're texting, sometimes it never makes it up to the next step where you like meet in person. <laughs> yeah. And then once you meet in person, sometimes it never makes it up to the next step where you start talking about more, you know, serious or deeper things that are not just surface level. Mm -hmm. So it's so wild to me that this guy that I'm seeing now, like, first of all, I never really sing in front of anyone, mm -hmm. but like within the first couple of dates we went on, I was like singing in front of him mm -hmm. and like dancing. And he's just so silly and unapologetically himself. There's yeah. just like, he doesn't try to be someone he's not and I think with dating a lot of times we're all projecting and we're yeah. all trying to be you know what we think will make other people like us mm -hmm. but he's a total weirdo and I love it that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's just nice when you can let your guard down it's mm -hmm. so rare yeah yeah because yeah. I feel like dating we kind of talked about this earlier it feels like an interview sometimes oh, and God, yeah a lot of times it's like where you aren't just going in for one interview, it's multiple rounds. And so it's nice when you finally can just let that guard down and just to be like, oh, I've made it past the interview. I know they're into me. I know yeah. I have the job. Like Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I wanted to play a game with you that's very pertinent to our okay. discussion. And it's Would You Rather, but it's Red Flag Edition. And I feel oh. like, you know, we've probably encountered some of these red flags in our past. And I'd love to see if you had to pick one of these two negatives, which one would you pick? Awesome. Okay. So the first one, would you rather date someone who has not ever been single for more than six months since they've been in college or... Someone who's never been in a relationship that has lasted longer than six months. Neither of them are horrible, but it's like oh, they're, they're they both, both pose like differences. They're both not bad at all, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, probably the latter. Mm -hmm. I would rather date that person. Interesting. And that's because, I mean, I wish I had spent more time being single, but mm -hmm. I think those who have been single, especially in their, you know, 20s, their transformative years, they really have an understanding of who they are and mm -hmm. what they want and like they've established their hobbies and their friend groups yeah so obviously not everyone is like this but i kind of feel like they would be maybe someone that is more ready because mm -hmm. i i don't know if i could be with someone who's jumping around which is ironic because i've jumped around <laughs> what about you i think i would pick the same and also i want to give the disclaimer of you 
you know, you've been in multiple relationships, but you've also taken the time to really evaluate how you've grown from them and what you've learned from them. So I feel like you're an exemplary exemplary (laughs) model of that. I just think not everybody is as reflective as you are. And I do agree that when you are single for a longer period of time, you know, at least you have had time to evaluate yourself. I also would fear that someone might look back one day down the line and be like, I never experienced this and then have like a midlife crisis or even a quarter life crisis or third life crisis, whichever. And I want someone who has had the time to sow their oats a little bit and have the independent experiences that they wanted to have before settling down. So I would also pick the same as you. Yeah. And I think six months isn't even that short. Like, Mm -hmm. My most recent relationship was the shortest one, but I felt like it was the most intense. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like it, time is not always an indicator of more experience. That is true. I think the shortest relationship I've been was also the one where I felt the most connection to the person right. at the end of it. So you're right. It's a good point. Okay. Next question. Would you rather date someone who describes their ex as their best friend or who hates all of their exes with a passion? <laughs> So I heard that it's a red flag when someone complains about all their exes. And then I Mm -hmm. realized, I mean, that isn't the case for me, but in like recently it has been the case. Mm -hmm. The last two at least. (laughs) Um, No shade. Just (laughs) a little bit of shade. A little bit of shade. No, a lot of shade. (laughs) No, but uh, I don't think I could be with someone who's best friends with their ex. That's just it's a little weird yeah because they have history so Mm -hmm. i think i'd rather even if they complain about their exes if that's the only thing that is sort of a red flag like i think it's better than having the ex always lurking around (laughs) as the best friend that is so true. I that's a really hard one for me i posed this question without even knowing what my answer would be i might pick the person who describes their ex as their Best friend. I might be biased because my <sighs> one of my girlfriends told me a recent story. Yeah. And it was that her boyfriend has an ex who was his best friend. Mm-hmm. And that best friend, ex, whatever, would call him, mm. like, pretty frequently mm. anytime she had issues. And then he would, like, drop everything to call her back. Oh, no. So it just got to the point where sometimes it would be, like, it was, like, my friend's birthday. Yeah. And he just disappeared to pick up a phone call. Okay, that's... So it was stuff like that. And then I I think at some point she kind of gave him an ultimatum and was like, you kind of have to choose. Like, it's either me or her. Like, I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I choose me. So basically Uh, he was like, that's not fair. Like, I can't just choose one of you. Like, you're both important in my life. Did she end up breaking up with him? At the time, no. I think she just, like, ended up accepting it, but they didn't last. Yeah. What was the eventual issue? Like, what drove them apart finally? I think it was a mix of things. I think over time she realized she wasn't as invested, but we did have this whole conversation about how everyone's boundaries are totally different. Like Mm -hmm. what is okay with some people and is fine is not necessarily the case for others. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to dissuade you from... No, it's fair because I'm not even fully rooted in that response anyway. (laughs) I guess, yeah, it just is hard because I think that sometimes when someone hates all their... And I I say hate because for you, you know, you mentioned that you have some negative things to say about some exes. I think we all do to an extent. But when someone is like 
I hate this person and is so passionate about it. I'm like, whoa, you're the common denominator. Yeah, so like, what, what, what was going on where all of your relationships ended so badly? Like, I don't know. I don't hate any of my exes, you know? So mm-hmm. it's also hard for me to relate because even though I might have some negative things to say about some things, I don't hate any of them. And I can also be self-aware enough to say, this is something that I wish I had done differently in the relationship. I don't know. So, yeah, neither of those are ideal. I guess I would pick X as the best friend, but be really wary. And honestly, I would really try to set that X up with someone else so they can start (laughs) dating somebody and go to them. But that's tough. Yeah. So next question. So they insist on sharing passcodes for your phone early on in the relationship. So they're like, we have to exchange. Or they refuse to share their passcode at any stage on principle. (laughs) Both cases have happened to me. Oh, my gosh. Wait, Um, please explain. So with one of them, he said, like, his phone is his property and he (laughs) has to have his own privacy, which to an extent I get. And I do think, like, once you have someone's passcode, it it almost, like, means that you don't trust them. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to not even have to think about that, right? So I could see where he's coming from. But the thing is, he had so many reasons for me to... And, like, every time I did see something pop up on his phone, it was, like... It was sketchy. It was sketchy. (laughs) And so that's why I was, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) my phone is my property. Yeah, that's so aggressive. (laughs) But the craziest thing is he would go through my phone. How did he justify that? I mean, I don't... Alina, I am mad on your behalf. (laughs) (laughs) I look back sometimes and I just laugh. Okay, if I had to pick between the two... Man, it really depends on the person. It's so hard. I guess, I think if early on they're already saying like, oh, we have to swap (laughs) passcodes, that's just like a sign of insecurity for me. And it's like, maybe there's something more we need to unpack there. Yeah. I do know some people who are very private, but I think if it's your SO, like what is so private that you can't look through their phone. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't need my SO's passcode, but yeah. if at any time I'd be like, oh, can I like look at something at your phone? If like they're willing to just give it mm-hmm. over or mm-hmm. hand it over, like we look at a yeah. video together, then that's fine. Like, one of my exes wouldn't even let me look at a video on his phone or like <laughs> hold his phone. Wait, what? That's, <laughs> that is such a red flag. I can't even begin to address it. Like, what's popping up? What push notifications are you getting that, like, I really can't see, that you can't risk me seeing? Yeah. Wow. I think I would pick the person who doesn't give their passcode, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. It's, again, not ideal. Actually, I was dating somebody who... I don't remember the exact context, but I wanted to look at something on his email. Not anything private. There was like a reason for me. No, I wanted to look at something on his computer. And I was like, oh, like, what's your passcode just to look it up? Because I didn't have my computer. And he was like, oh, I'll just type it in. He wouldn't give it to me. And he's like, I use the same passcode for everything for my email for blah, blah, blah. And I was a little offended because I was like, oh, so you're assuming that I'm going to take this password and then hack into your email? That hadn't even been a thought of mine. I mean, I understand the principle of it. So I guess I would be willing to accept it if there weren't other red flags associated with it. But yeah, it is weird if they refuse, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. These are good questions. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I was like, what are some conundrums? And clearly they're difficult because I don't even have answers that are clear cut. 
Okay, so the next one. They cheated on their last ex, but they seem fully remorseful and they've reconciled with that person. Or they got cheated on by their last ex and they don't seem like they fully processed or gotten over it. I think... I think for me, the first one, I would prefer. Yeah. Just because it sounds like... I mean, cheating is never okay, but I think people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. If that was something that happened before me and it's been resolved Mm -hmm. and it's not something that I feel like is going to affect our current relationship, then Mm -hmm. I would be more okay with that. But the second one, it's like, if they're not over it, we shouldn't (laughs) even be seeing each other. Truly. I I fully agree with that. And I think the fact that they reconciled with the ex is kind of the tipping point because... If it was something egregious where they're a serial cheater and just, like, ruined this person's life, I don't think they probably would have gotten to that point with the ex. But the fact that they've been able to grow from it and show remorse, I think, is huge. And it shows more growth than the person who can't get over the fact that they've been cheated on. Agree. Yeah. 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 So the final one. Would you rather date someone whose best friend you hate But you actually like all the other friends, but, like, this is their best friend who they spend most of their time with. They're kind of a big influence in their life. Or date someone who doesn't really have any good friends. So, as a comparison, like, Paul Rudd in I Love You, Man. Oh, my God. Ooh. So, like, this best friend, we just don't get along? Yeah, like, you really don't think he's a good person. You don't like hanging out with him at all. Or her. That is a difficult one. Because I think the type of people that I like um, are usually really extroverted and sociable. Mm-hmm. And they tend to have friends. And I would like our friends to mesh. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like if we both have our own social circles. I mean, I did have an ex where he came into my social circle and basically just became friends with all my friends. <laughs> yeah. And when it came time for us to break up, it was very messy. Yeah. So I would ideally like for us to have our own social lives. And I think if it's Mm. just one person, I might just suck it up. I would do the same because yeah, one person, if they have other friends, it's doesn't have to spend my time all the time with this person. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. What if they, okay. What if going further down, I'm just elaborating on the (laughs) question. Now you're going to marry this person. And they're like, this is my best man. Would you say anything about it? Or would you just be like, whatever? At the end of the day, if this guy is my future husband's best friend and best man, like, who am I to say, no, that can't be your best man, you know? And it's just one day. That's true. Like, after that, he's mine. I'm just kidding. Like, you're married with me. We don't have to see this person. But I think if you are going to marry this person, you put a certain amount of trust and respect in the relationships that Mm -hmm. they have in their life and... You're going to have to accept that person. It's probably the same as like with in-laws that you don't get along with. You have to just, true. you just have to accept it. Yeah. And I think it also matters how they deal with any disagreements that might come up because if they have your back as a partner or they at least see your side of things and make you feel heard and validated, then I think that's what's most important. I think maybe it would be a little bit different if they don't really regard your opinion of that person at all as valid. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that it's possible to just suck it up and you're not going to like 100% of the people who are in your partner's life. Right. Probably. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I feel like we really dove into a lot. And thank you for being so open and so vulnerable and sharing your past experiences. I think this was a really great discussion. Yeah, I loved it. And is there anything that you want to plug, like any projects or any social handles? 
I mean, I'm not super big on social media, but I do write on Medium. Mm -hmm. It started out sort of just as like a personal diary, but I write anything from like film reviews to sometimes about dating stories. So Mm -hmm. you can just find my Medium. It's literally just at Alina J. Tang. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I would highly recommend checking it out. She has very thoughtful and poignant pieces up there. Thanks, Leslie. Yeah, thank you. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.